we know we have the better team and we let a team that was not a better team beat us, frankly, in our own game by pushing us around the line of scrimmage and being creative offensively. That's it. Season's over. The dogs felt as if they were one of the top four teams in the nation heading into the bowl season. And on paper, that might very well have been the case. But championships and opinions from fans are not based on paper. And the fact of the matter is that Georgia had two games where they were thoroughly pushed around in LSU and what we saw last night versus Texas. And then another game where they blew a two touchdown lead versus Alabama. But an 11-3 record winning the SEC East and a top 10 final ranking is nothing to just write off. The history books will probably be kind to the 2018 version of the Georgia Bulldogs performing as well as they did overall with such a young and inexperienced team. That's the part that will become a talking point heading into the 2019 season, which is whether that inexperience will mature into a dominant force in the SEC and nationally, as so many college football pundits foresee. It'll be here before you know it. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 171 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is the Sugar Bowl postgame show. Texas, yeah, they beat the dogs 28-21, and it really wasn't even that close. Bevo tried to stomp Ugga, literally. It was a strange vibe to that whole bowl game. And my co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, joined me to discuss everything from the pregame mascot fight to the production, or lack thereof, of the offense and defense throughout the game. So, welcome to 2019, right? We'll help you get through it. Here's Will to get us started. Gentlemen... I come to you the morning after the Sugar Bowl. I will have you know, uh, in light of recent information, just know that bowl games don't really matter anymore. They don't care. They don't say anything about your team or nothing whatsoever. They're just exhibition games that don't matter. And know that if this game would have gone the way I thought it was going to, I would have totally said something completely different. And I would have said, no, this is a great uh, leaping point off into the 2019 season. 28-21, I believe, was the uh, was the final score. Uh, and it was not obviously that close. Tony, you were, uh, you were there in person to watch it. Uh, what was the vibe like there? and any kind of immediate takeaways from uh, from a pretty bummer of a bowl game? Well, just to, you know, for starters, I was surprised at the number of Georgia fans there. Where we were sitting, we couldn't see in the Georgia upper deck. They got pretty loud. It didn't feel like it was overwhelmingly loud for Texas, you know, even when Bebo tried to core Aga. Um, yes, so we'll get into that. We're going to talk about that in a bit. The overall takeaway, and I, I you know, we'll have a chance to actually break down the game in a minute, but the game felt in the stadium exactly like what you saw on TV. The place was electric until the botched punt snap, whatever. And the second they say the further plays in review, I was like, oh, yeah, he did go down his knee, didn't he? And I was, it was, that was it. I mean, I think I, I, we can point at a lot of mistakes. And I would say that Georgia and Texas played a, a fairly even football game. You look at stats that bears that out. You look at Bill Conley's S&P Plus that bears it out. The problem is, is that there's not a world, at least this year, where Georgia and Texas should be playing in the even game. Um, and that's the frustrating part. I think that's why Georgia fans are frustrated, frankly, is that we know we have the better team and we let a team that was not a better team beat us, frankly, in our own game by pushing us around the line of scrimmage and being creative offensively. Yeah, I think a lot of top 15 teams would have beat Georgia yesterday. I mean, you could kind of go down the list. I think the way that and this is just my perspective watching it on on TV, but uh, just I'm I'm with you, Tony. I when I saw the punt, I was excited because I yelled to my my boys. I was like, "Look, that's exactly what he didn't 
do in the SEC championship, you know, where it kept rolling into the end zone and it checked up on him. And then right before it went to commercial, they showed it and said, Oh, we're going to come back and take a look at this. And, and yeah, I mean, I was the same way. I was like, Oh my goodness. I mean, that ended up being a 14 yard run loss in the stats column, though it was basically a turnover on downs for Georgia. And it came at the worst possible time because Texas had just gone on like a 10 play, 75 yard workmanlike drive. And then we basically go seven plays and have that turnover. And then they turn that into a field goal. And before you can even blink, we're down 10, nothing. And that combined with just the overall air and feel of the game. It's one of those things. You can't really put your finger on it. You felt it. I felt it. I'm sure other people felt it, whatever watch parties they were attending. It just didn't feel like the Rose bowl and it wasn't, and it wasn't 2017 or 2018 or whatever year it is, whatever year we played in last year. But, um, you know, that's just kind of the nature of this new playoff system. If you're not in the final four and you played in it the year before, it's probably going to feel like this. And, uh, it's going to be a struggle to, um, you know, come ahead against an evenly matched or less than evenly matched team. And it's exactly what happened. Let me intone there just a little bit. And that's, well, Scott, that's part of the frustrating part to me is that, and I tweeted this last night. I never thought we'd be in a situation with a Kirby smart coach team. Cause I don't think we've seen it the past two years where we came out flat because the stakes weren't high enough. And Kirby talks about buying into and setting yourself to a standard. We've lost football games because we didn't play well. This is the first game I feel like we've lost in the past two years where we came because the players didn't put effort into it. Maybe, maybe there was a little bit of that with the LSU game this year, but that was really, really the situation this game. Yeah. I think that's the alarming part. It's one thing for fans to be like, you know what? We already went to Louisiana once this year, and we're not as excited about it because we're so frustrated from the SC Championship game. And I get it. Like I like I I I get on fans sometimes about not getting excited enough for things as they should, but I understand it. I do get it. It is another thing for the team to come out kind of the way they did, and not just because it's a bummer because it feels like the, the 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 staff should have them more ready and be more excited about it. But frankly, they just spent the entire last month saying business as usual around here. Everything's fine. Everything's set. And then the game starts and you realize, nope, nobody cares about this game at all. And that's fine. Like, like, listen, I get it. I understand if this is, you know, um, uh, Alabama, Utah from a few years ago or something where it's clear Alabama is just not into it. Everybody knew they weren't into it. But the idea, like one of two things is the case here, either they have not actually ever been into this at all, uh, this game at all, and never really cared. And we're just kind of uh, feeding a line either to the media or feeding a line around the team. Or they thought, or the coaching staff was really into it and the players weren't listening. But it was pretty clear once the game started. And you're right, that punt was a bummer. But the vibe, the, the air was out of that stadium. Out of the stadium, but the, the team just wasn't into it pretty much from the opening drive, right? And I, there were a couple guys, there were a couple guys, I found it telling that the that uh, Sean McDonough would have to uh, occasionally, uh, I'll put it this way, you know it's a bad sign when the announcers keep taking time out to be like, you know, a lot of people said Georgia wasn't into this game, but individual player here who looked really mm-hmm. fired up before the game yeah. told me that he's ready to play this game. The fact that they felt the need to keep saying that was a sign to me that the players were just not really into this game. It was really kind of hard to, to hard to deny it. I don't necessarily think that's the worst 
thing in the world. Like I like the idea, like you know, live a dream to be what you want to be, and it's hard. It, I understand it's that's, that speaks to where Georgia is as a program to be like, hey, it's hard to get up for a game like this. Whereas Texas, because they're uh, they're where where Georgia was maybe last year or even the year before, they're trying to establish themselves in one of these programs. They came out uh, uh, fired up and wanting to win this game immediately. That speaks to the fact that Georgia is at a higher place than Texas is, and so Texas was fired up and Georgia wasn't. The problem is, is eventually that can stagnate, and then Texas can actually be where 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 they are. And I think it's one thing to say. I think that that's the worrisome part about it to me. It's not so much that they looked flat or they weren't up for the game. I understand why that would be. It's just that they kept telling us, and the whole Kirby Smart thing is that like we are focused and prepared and ready for every game like this, and they were pretty obviously not. Well, part of it has to do with youth. And we've talked about youth all season. Um, and I, I, I think the perfect analogy of sex with our friend Matt Adair about this last night is that 09 Sugar Bowl loss for Alabama. Remember, Alabama went into the SEC championship game ranked number one. They lost in a heartbreaker to Florida, a game which they had mostly in hand until Florida scored 14 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Um, had been undefeated at that point, And then they just showed up and totally laid an egg against the Utah team who frankly showed up and was ready to play football. Um, now, no one would argue in, in January 2nd, 2009, that Utah was the more talented, was the, even the better coached team, um, but they certainly were better prepared. And, and it, the, the, the frustrating part to me is that Texas showed up and out-motivated us. They showed up and out-coached us. And the players wanted it more than our players did. And there's no way around that. Walking out last night, I kept thinking about what we said about, for example, the Justin Fields thing. It's kind of stunning how nothing has come out about it and how quiet it was. And I'm not, by no means am I saying that Justin Fields thing is the reason why the team played that way. But I think part of what you have to do as a coaching staff is you have to really sit down and evaluate what your methods were to get the players motivated in this game and see see what worked and didn't work because I don't think anybody that watched the football game or paid any attention or, or however you want to look at it will say that um, can look at that and, and say that Georgia was, was even remotely motivated to play this football game in a way like, sure. They wanted to win the football game. You know, you, as a competitor, you want to win the football game. But there's a difference between wanting to win a football game and putting the effort takes into making sure you win the football game. And that's the part about it that frankly, I think I was relying on and maybe Georgia was too. It's like, we're a better football team on paper than Texas is. And we should be able to on paper show up and just use overwhelming talent and coaching to beat them. And I think they were probably leaning on that a little more heavily. And the, if there's a good news takeaway from this, and, and, and we talked about Kirby only being a third year coach is there's there are places for him as a, a head coach to grow from, from this game. And yeah, you want, don't want to put too much into a, a bowl game loss, even if it is the Sugar Bowl. But you know, you would, I, frankly, I'd rather have those coaching moments come from this than an SEC championship game loss, which we saw a month ago. Um, but the, if there is a bright side, um, in, in frankly, the one of the reasons I'm not just—I mean, I'm, I'm already dreading eight months of ha 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 UGA blah 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 from the college football world. And frankly, we have that coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one takeaway from it is that we'll see how as a head coach Kirby grows from this and, you know, we'll have time over the next few months to pick apart some decision-making that happened over the past month. Uh, but the most important takeaway for me is that we have a young football team and the young football team 
it, it in a way it's hopefully they will take away from this game, you know, the kind of feelings we all have, which is, man, I can't, I can't believe we did this. We can't let this happen again. Well, will they, that's a whole different question. And you know what, that does that part of the, that chapter's yet to be written. As, as I kind of got up this morning and was kind of mulling it over, I, I didn't really look at the stats or anything like that. I just thought I'd always been kind of against Will's argument for an eight team playoff. I was just more old school thinking like, Hey, I was fine when it was just the BCS and they had computer rankings and everything. But I kind of thought to myself this morning, I was like, Georgia's effort or, you know, the result of this game, I think this is what would convince me even more for an 18 playoff, because if you had Georgia versus Texas in like a five, four matchup or whatever it would end up maybe in the sugar bowl, well, you get that game almost like ahead of the disappointment, if that makes sense, where right now it's after the disappointment. And I just think that um, that's what the tea leaves seem to be going at. And I don't think that you're going to see much uh, standoffishness from average fans and even commissioners and coaches. Eventually, uh, I'd say it's probably within you know two to three years. But I just like the idea of having the 18 playoff, because if you're team number nine or 10, you, in my opinion, you might be a little bit too far out of the whole. We're better than this disappointment. And you're just happy to be playing in the Liberty Bowl then. Something yeah, like that. I'll say it's kind of a dangerous place for a fan base to be. The idea that if we win the SEC championship game, everything is wonderful. And if we lose it, the season is pointless. And everything that happened mm-hmm. before and afterward is pointless. Yeah, <laughs> good that's, point. That's kind of where Georgia is right now. And I don't know. I mean, I personally think it's kind of cool. They got to play at the Sugar Bowl. I kind of wish they would have been up for it uh, a little bit more. It's also worth noting, by the way, that after kind of the initial rush, kind of getting to the game itself a little bit, there were chances for Georgia to get back in this game. And one of the major issues was, frankly, Jake Fromm. <laughs> Jake Fromm had uh, uh, his second worst game of the year. The first one was the LSU game. He really was off on a lot of passes that he usually hits. He was weirdly long and high on passes, which is not usually, like, usually when he misses, that's not where he misses. Like, he really, uh, it's hard to imagine him being overamped, that he was overthrowing, but certainly he was missing a lot of passes, plays that were there. And listen, I actually, uh, th- I'll put it this way when you look at the LSU game, you could kind of look at Cheney and be like, all right, Cheney messed himself up. Cheney himself, after the game since then, said, yeah, I probably screwed himself up this game. I don't think Cheney actually called a horrible game. I loved that Harry and Platt pass, by the way. That was like one yes. of my favorite play calls all year. That was such a cool play. And like, like you see that, you're like, right, okay. And for the record, Harry and himself was kind of exciting in this game because of, uh, after uh, Swift's kind of fumble issues. I don't think this was a Cheney game. And I think this speaks more to the idea of maybe the – Maybe the coaches were into this and the players just weren't because the players, other than the young, hungry guys that were all trying to show off, including uh, I think Campbell did a terrific job uh, um, uh, kind of being pushed into service in the, uh, in, in, in the defensive backfield. Harry was down, but like from was just really off the entire game. Swift was fumbling. I don't think this was a chain. There, there was a chance to get back in this game. I don't think from always gave them that chance. Two things. One, I, I agree. Although it, kind of looking at it from from sitting in the stadium, it looked like Texas uh, from from looked a little lost at times. And I think part of that was the the, the looks Texas was given. They were um, they were disguising coverages really well, and they were actually using um, they're basically using their shoulders. They're they playing a little bit of a dangerous game at work, but they were basically using their shoulders to try to convince Fromm to throw to a different spot and the receivers to take a different 
route on the route tree and it worked right i mean from was what i don't i i don't have the stats i mean, do have the stats in front of me but whatever they were it was um you know 13 of 34 or something did i remember that right 21 of 35 uh, so it wasn't as bad as i thought um you know the the int was a good individual play although you're right he overthrew it a fair amount there the part about it um, defensively that was really frustrating to me is we had so many missed tackles oh yeah and and that's not just, and that wasn't just from young guys. I mean, some, some of the stuff you can forgive from young guys because, you know, I, like, I, I can't pronounce the guy's name, but it's um, O-L-O-J, however you say his last name. Uh, the, the freshman hasn't really played until the last couple right. of games. I mean, he, he came with a Nats era sacking uh, Ellinger, um, and then he just basically, Ellinger ducked the rush at the last minute and ran for 17 yards. That'll come, right? He'll get better at doing that. What's frustrating to me is the number of arm tackles that we haven't seen since 2016. That is really indicative of, of something. I mean, I can't really explain what it is. Um, but you know, when you talk about the stats, Will, I, I, I do want to push back against the Georgia got, you know, got dominated. Um, did Georgia, did Georgia lose a game? Sure. But you know, that game was only 54% uh, Texas. Georgia had three fewer scoring opportunities. That's a result of the turnovers. But they scored 5.25. Also, the field position battle was 16 yards difference. I mean, Georgia started the average start on their own 23. Texas started on their own 38. I mean, you know, and that's that's big. The other big thing, of course, is turnovers. Um, Texas had uh, a turnover like a one and a half. Look, you know, five or 1.3. If five points a turnover, that's that's your game margin. We can go back and point at a couple of things that. That is that's frustrating. But the, the most surprising thing, we got pushed around on the offensive and defensive line by smaller linemen. That was just wow. That was a wow moment. Yeah, I would I would also say too, and and that's motivation. Like honestly, it's motivation and it's weird. It's I'll, I'll put it this way, of all the things that we've since Kirby Smart and the staff has come in and since it's been the new Georgia thing, there's never, I don't think motivation has ever been a problem. There's never been something you've even questioned. And maybe this is something special for uh, the Sugar Bowl. Maybe it's a special circumstance where they're not into it and this is just the way it's going to be in the games where they're trying to get win a national championship. And when they don't get to one, they just don't really care afterwards. But I will say in the last two losses, we've had a couple things pop up that, um, People outside of Georgia are going to be used to needle Georgia for a while now. And the fake punt and the not showing up in basically the fourth highest profile bowl game of this year, like the prime time with everybody watching, uh, clearly the game that was promoted all around. Lots of people were watching this game and they saw Georgia uh, just kind of not be into it. And uh, we maybe internally, we'd be like, wow, yeah, I, I get why Georgia wasn't into this game. But nationally, this just looks like a team that wasn't into it. And. The, there's just going to be a lot of questions about it. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of questions about it that I will, I'm curious to see how they handle uh, uh, heading forward. Now, I don't, uh, again, it's just one game. It's, I don't want to go too much down the rabbit hole with it. Uh, we have a lot of news items that we'll have a chance to get to later. Uh, clearly, we'll see the fact that, uh, remember, if in the pregame show, I was like, wow, it's amazing that Fields is going to play in this game. That's totally crazy. Well, turned out, nope. <laughs> nope, he wasn't playing in this game. He was probably never going to play in this game. I think that kind of speaks a little bit to how, how there was a disconnect between one what we on the outside were told or got the impression of of the of what this team was doing during his practice week and what actually was the case 
and I think that Fields is an example of that. How hard they came out is an example of that. We'll have a lot of stuff to kind of run down. We'll see uh, who returns, who doesn't return. There's questions about Holyfield. There's questions about some of those guys. There's questions about Walker. Uh, we'll have uh, talk about that. Plenty of time in the, down the line. We'll talk about Luke Ford making the always difficult decision on whether to play for Georgia or whether to play for Illinois. But the main thing I want to talk about before, because we're going to talk about all that in a future show, I do want to talk about the Bevo thing. And uh, I've got a lot of thoughts about uh, that. Uh, one is uh, one is the funny thing about it, which is I've always kind of joked since I've gotten here that, that Aga is so pampered that he is as pampered as, like, the most pampered 95-year-old ladies poodle. Like, he very rarely gets out. He's constantly being cooled off. Uh, bulldogs are kind of fragile animals anyway. So I always imagine him just, like, being... Like this zoo, the zoo animal with absolutely no skills in the wild whatsoever. I was like, could, like, could Ugga catch a squirrel? My theory has always been no. Ugga could not catch a squirrel. I will say Ugga reacted more quickly to Bevo running through there and going crazy than any of the people handlers did, which speaks to the not so funny part about it, which is, hey, Texas, Take care of your three-ton bull, would you? For crying out loud. The fact that the fact that, that was all the pin they had him in. But the fact, like, this is a huge animal. There were hundreds of people in the seats all around him. The fact that this animal would get freaked by a tiny dog <laughs> makes me think they should be a little bit more careful with their mascot. Just as a general, I know it's funny. It became like this meme thing beforehand. But that's a massive animal that could have hurt, like, a lot of people. I, I'm trying to imagine what the world would have been like if he would have actually stomped Ugga. If Ugga were as slow as I actually thought Ugga was, if he'd actually gotten stomped. I feel like Georgia Georgia and Texas play each other in basketball in, like, three weeks. I feel like all of a sudden people would have cared about that game a whole lot because uh, you, you, you look at the media guy and there's the, here are the line of Uggas, and here they came from here to here to here, and then this one died early, and this one made it to an old age. And in the middle of the media, they have to be stomped by Bevo at the Sugar Bowl. I'm glad. That was a weird situation that was funny, kind of, but I have to say I found it a little weird, actually. I was horrified. Uh, same of you. I mean, I wasn't horrified, but thinking it's almost like one of those things you see. And then you think back and you're like, somebody could have gotten gored by one of those longhorns. Cause there was, there were some very slow out of shape reporters that were <laughs> dodging to get out of the way. And they were trying to get the picture. It's almost like the, the people that fall off of uh, monuments trying to get a selfie at some amazing spot. I mean, I thought the same thing will, because you, you look, if you look at the the screenshot or the video again, there's like four like college dudes just kind of not halfway paying attention. And then it gets away from, it's almost like when you have your dog on the leash and they tell you to wrap it around your arm because they see a squirrel and they dart, dart out into the street or something. I'm with you. They had those little uh, makeshift pins and he bolted right through that thing. Um, I bet they're going to take that up in the Sugar Bowl committee and have some uh, discussions or some new bylaws for live animals over 500 or so pounds uh, going on in the future. Yeah, if you want to if you want to talk smack after the SEC championship game, you, you can't let your dog get gored by a steer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that's my take. That's your take. That's your take. Um, all right. Well, we will do. Uh, we'll have. We'll have a show in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure uh, to kind of wrap up the season after we see what happens with Fields. After we see what happens with Luke Ford. What happens with uh, any of the players that might go early. Even the idea that Rodrigo, who after the game said he was still thinking about it because he's of course already graduated, so he could go. Uh, will be kind of interesting. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about. But mostly, you know, it's a, it was it was a. It, I suppose if you're gonna have uh, if you're gonna be down after a loss. 
uh, this is the type of loss to be down after, right? The, the, the yep, we should, we should like, uh, uh, put it this way. If you saw this effort in the Florida game, then you'd be really, really freaked out. <laughs> like, at least there's a context for this lack of effort in this game. So that makes me feel a little better, you guys. So I got a question for y'all. Uh, knowing that Alabama and Clemson are going to either be ranked one or two in the final polls from the winner and loser, where would you put Georgia in your final poll? I, I, eight to ten. Yeah, eight to ten sounds about right. Maybe seven just because Notre Dame and and, uh, and Oklahoma were, were so kind of rough too. But that's three losses now. That's three losses, two of which where they got pulverized and one of which they blew a late lead. Uh, I, I think they're eight to ten. Yeah, Florida, Florida and Texas will end up ahead of us at least. Um, certainly Ohio State. So I mean, it, I was I was thinking that last night riding the the streetcar on the way back to you, uh, Airbnb. It's like yeah, eight to ten sounds right. Look, you know, my my final thought on on this, and we'll have time to talk about the season, is that you know, yes, we can say bowl games don't mean anything. Um, you know, I, I came to New Orleans because I love the Sugar Bowl and I my kids and we're still going to have fun in New Orleans. And I've talked to a couple of Texas fans, lots of LSU fans who were getting, they were LSU fans, by the way, in the stadium last night were far worse than Texas fans, <laughs> which is fine. You get to do that when you finally beat UCF. Congratulations. <laughs> but no, I'm just, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm just constantly as that is. It, it is a bummer for us to come to New Orleans and, and lay a big, Hurt. It's a bummer. Um, but the, the reality is, is that again, if you had asked us at the beginning of the season, um, where do you think this team was going to finish up? You know, we thought sugar bowl seems like the right, like the, the ceiling we reached the ceiling and that's it's, it, we can't just take one game, analyze the crap out of it and think that that makes the season. The sucky part about it is, there's plenty of narrative because there's a lot of air, air to fill between now and August 31, but we are continuing to go in the right direction. What we take from this, and when I say we, I mean the football program, and I mean the coaches and, and the athletic administration. Take from this is far more important to me than whatever the, the pushback will be over the next eight months. Just because you know this is the kind of thing where you look at three years from now and say, this is where we said we're not doing this anymore. Or this is the first sign of a, an ongoing issue. Um, there's been a lot of like the comparing the first three years of Kirby and the first three years of Rick, which is not an unfair comparison. When you just compare win losses, it does negate to it does it does leave out a very important um, a couple of important factors. Um, most importantly, the amount of institutional support Kirby has and has demanded and gotten that Rick never either demanded or gotten. Um, then same goes with recruiting, but you know, the, where you go next year, the year after when everyone pretty much would have said 2019 really was, is the first year you could expect Georgia to be. And Georgia was two years ahead last year. You take away from this game and you look back at this game and you talk about and play in new Orleans in January of next year and look back and point to this game as what Brit, what made all that happen. It doesn't really matter what happened over the last month. The problem is, is that you got to go do it now because we're all going to have to cash those checks for the next eight months and it's not going to be fun. All right. Well, uh, other, uh, on that note, 
Happy New Year, everyone. I'm excited. This is uh, we're, I, uh, the next football game is not till Labor Day, you guys, in, in Tennessee, of all people, where we'll all be scouting Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, former Illini running back in the Vanderbilt Commodores. Last game for a while, gentlemen. We have plenty of basketball to talk about, plenty of stuff to talk about, but uh, mostly fun season. You're right about the ceiling. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Happy New Year, everybody, and hey, uh, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Even though football is over, well, Georgia football at least, we have another January podcast date to record. So you can hear us in a couple weeks where we'll put a nice bow on the 2018 college football season, talk some UGA basketball, and the second signing day coming up in February. Transfers and potential juniors going to the pros will probably have a decision by then as well. So we'll be able to share our opinions on what that means for Kirby's 2019 bunch. So you can keep in touch with us online or on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you can find us at WSLS Podcast. I think we should have some blog posts for the website during this month as well, so make sure you bookmark WSLSPodcast.com as well. And that'll do it for us. We'll see you on campus very soon. And as always, go dogs. Okay, so JTNW are back here with a with our last post-game recap show of the 2018 Georgia football season and a little of the 2019 Sugar Bowl. I think that our 2018 season was a really 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 good season of bouncing back from our hard heartbreaker national championship loss to Alabama and I think we went back with a big pep in our step and a lot of defensive guys and offensive guys came back for those who we lost in the NFL draft and one of those players that I thought who who stood out for this 2018 season were DeAndre Baker because one fact about him when he has been guarding a wide receiver The last time he allowed a touchdown on him was in 2016. That's why he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. And also, the person who I wanted to point out was DeAndre Walker on defense. I hadn't really heard of him. I just wanted his jersey in the 2017 season. But now I want it really, really, really bad because he showed... In this 2018 season, that he can be a number one defensive man pick or in the top 10 in the first round, I think. Jack, do you have anything to add? Uh, the Sugar Bowl, we played really, really well, even though it was a really tough loss. Sam Ellinger is a good quarterback. We can now say that because he did run for two touchdowns, even though they were short. Still. Was it three? Three touchdowns? Three touchdowns. I don't know. Two or three touchdowns. Two or three touchdowns. Anyway, he's a really good quarterback, and Jake Fromm is a really good quarterback. Yeah, nothing taken away from Jake Jake Fromm. He's he's obviously really, really, really good. He's shown some amazing progress toward this Georgia team. And, yeah, he's done really well. One thing I liked about the 2018 season was that we had a lot of players – that had come back from some injuries, I think, and just came back with a big pep in their step from the national championship. And I think that was just a really, really, really good thing overall for us that happened. None of the players were kind of, like, sad. So I think that was the best thing that I liked about the 2018 season. 
the one thing I liked about the 2018 season is that we scored 39 points or more average on each game. Yeah, 39 points on average, I think, on each game that we played this season, except for LSU and... We don't talk about that anymore. And the Sugar Bowl game. So that was one thing that Jack wanted to point out that he liked. And I just think this season has been a great one. And for last sign-off for the post-game show, we're going to say... Go Dogs! Go Dogs!